Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so excited to be with you in this moment and to be able to talk about some things and learn some things. It is such an honor to be able to do this podcast. Um, it's exciting to know that we are coming up uh, close to our 100th episode. Uh, I don't know if you have listened to some of the episodes in the beginning of this uh, podcast, but I had a friend tell me, all you have to do is get to, I think it was episode eight, said the average podcast lasts seven episodes. So all you have to do is get to episode eight. And I was like, I can do that. And little did I know, eight was going to soon be 100. So if you are new to this podcast, welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, if you have been listening since the beginning, I appreciate you and I'm so thankful for you as well. Uh, if you find these podcast episodes helpful, uh, I'm going to just ask if you could just share them so we can continue to get the message out to more people and to be helpful. And you know what? I'm just going to throw it out there too. If you could review or rate the podcast, that also makes the podcast more visible to others and um, allows our platform to be seen, again, to help more people. That is the whole reason I do this. I don't really have another agenda. Um, I probably should. (laughs) I probably should create some marketing plan. But honestly, I just, I want to help people. And if this is a way that I can do that, that, you know, for some people, they may not have insurance coverage for nutrition counseling or very limited um a very limited plan under their insurance plan, their health plan. Um, and this is a way I can just give back to to those people. Uh, for some of you guys, you have great insurance coverage. And so if that's the case and you want to work one-on-one with a dietitian, I'm going to highly recommend you call Bodymetrics. Um, you can go to bodymetricshealth.com. We have two locations. Um, yeah, you didn't come here just to listen to me plug my business, but I'm totally going to do that today. Um, so yes, this podcast is for people that have great coverage and they just need that extra help. Um, they just need, uh, that encouragement and that motivation and the truth because guys, I just, I want to shoot you straight. Um, a lot of my clients, they tell me I have this face (laughs) and if you're one of my clients, you probably are nodding your head right now in agreement because apparently if I don't agree with something you're saying or if you're trying to feed me a line or give me an excuse for something, apparently I have this look (laughs) that I give to people and they know right away that, all right, let's just cut this out and let's let's start doing the work. Um, So if you would like to see that look, (laughs) if you want to work with me or anyone on my team, we have such a talented group of individuals that work at Bodymetrics. Uh, We would just love to meet you and work with you and help you on your journey and help you reach your goals. 
Today, though, I am going to talk about a topic that a lot of people struggle with. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say probably over 80% of my clients struggle with this, and that's nighttime eating. Eating after dinner. For some of us, it has nothing to do with physical hunger. We're still pretty satisfied from dinner. We're kind of full. It's more of the habit. It's eight o'clock, right? It's almost like clockwork. Like somebody's knocking on your brain and saying, psst, hey, it's eight o'clock. Time to eat. You didn't forget, did you? It's snack time. It's relaxation time, right? I had a client one time tell me that eating in front of the TV was one of her favorite activities that she did with her, her and her husband, actually. They're like, I told them that they need to move their snacks into the dining room so they wouldn't be distracted with the, the screen. And they looked at me like I had three heads. I'm like, what? But we love sitting in front of the TV and eating snacks at night. I'm like, yeah, I get it, right? When you don't have to think and you can just completely veg out and tune out the rest of the world and everything that happened leading up to that point, and you can just nestle in there and eat something salty or sweet or both and kind of eat on autopilot while you're entertained. Yeah, that's like the ultimate checkout. I get it. But one of the things that I do like to teach is mindfulness and why it's so important to be present and to be enjoying what you're eating. The problem, if you're not mindful when you're eating and you're not engaged in the experience, is a lot of times when the food is over, your brain is going to want to do over because it missed out on the full experience the first time. And I don't know about you, but do-overs and lots of eating at night eventually is going to lead to an excess of calories. And depending on what your health goals are, that probably isn't in alignment. So I'm not going to talk to you about the how you shouldn't eat in front of the TV or how you shouldn't eat after 8 o'clock or, you know, that's another one, right? We hear rules all the time from different diets. No eating after 8 o'clock. Well, listen, there is nothing magical about 8 o'clock. It's not you're going to turn into a pumpkin or your metabolism totally shuts off at 8 But I'd like to talk today about what's going on in your mind, right? That's the part that I want to work on today, not the tactical tips on on what you should do um, in terms of where you eat and what you should eat and when you should eat. I'm not talking about that in this episode. I've, I've done episodes of that in the past and you can refer to them. Tonight, I want to talk about all tonight. I keep saying tonight, I think because I keep talking about nighttime eating, so I'm anticipating it being tonight. Um, But today, today I want to talk about what's going on in your head right before you choose to eat. Because remember, our thoughts are what eventually lead into our actions. So if you are having a thought about something, Eventually, that thought is going to lead to a specific feeling, which leads to a behavior. And if you want to change a behavior, then what we do is we get to the root of the problem and we look and identify what are the thoughts that make you think eating in that moment is okay, especially if it's against your goal. 
a lot of people will come to my office and they'll ask for help with certain habits that they'd like to break. They know what the habits are. I eat too much snacks or I eat too much junk right before bedtime. It's not an awareness issue of what they're doing. It's a, how do I stop? If it was as easy as me saying, well, don't do it, I probably wouldn't have a job, right? Most of us know what we should be doing. We just don't know how to get out of our own way. And a lot of times it's because nobody has ever taught us to challenge the thoughts in our head about all of it. That's what we're going to talk about today. What are the thoughts and specifically this one thought of I deserve it. Now, you may never have said those exact words, either consciously or out loud. But for most of us, that's exactly what the rooted thought is. I deserve this. I'm tired. I had a bad day. I had all these things I needed to do. I had to take care of everything. My boss asked me to stay late. I had to run the kids around. So if I want a snack at 8.30 at night when the kids go to bed, I deserve it. Right? That's literally what we're saying. Because again, physical hunger, we're taking that out of the equation. If you are physically hungry, if your blood sugar is getting lower, and you are hungry, then oh my goodness, please eat. I will never ever tell you not to eat if you are hungry. I may tell you or give you suggestions of what to eat if it's eight o'clock versus 10 o'clock, you know, versus five o'clock. But I would never ever tell you you can't eat because that's not fair. If your body's giving you a signal, it's your job to honor it. But let's be real here. Most of us are not getting that signal when we're eating at eight o'clock. We're eating because it's a habit or we're eating because we feel entitled to it. What I want to do is challenge you to think about what else do you deserve? I got a whole list of things that we're going to talk about in a second. But I want you to think about what else do you deserve? Like being proud of yourself and talking kindly to yourself and, and caring for yourself. I'm going to talk about that in a minute because you also deserve that. You don't necessarily deserve a snack at night because you had a bad day. Sometimes we can just have a bad day. And so what I want to really get down to is this question of who do you want to be? If you've ever read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, he talks about uh, habit formation and he draws three circles, each circle smaller than the other one inside of it. So almost think of like a a bullseye, right? A larger outer circle inside a middle circle and then a, a smaller inner circle. And he says that when we create goals, a lot of times, if we look at that outer circle, it's the um, creation of the goal itself, what you want to accomplish. Like, I want to lose weight. And once we've identified our goals, what we do then is we move to the the second inner circle, which is the action plan. How are we going to accomplish said goal? So if the outer ring is the goal itself, I want to lose weight, then the middle ring would be, how am I going to accomplish that? I'm going to eat less and exercise more. I'm going to, you know, get better sleep, manage my stress, uh, you know, 
all the things, drink more water. And then if you do all the things, eventually what the, the most important part about all this is the inner circle, which is your identity, who you are as a person. So if I identify my goal and I figure out how I'm going to get there, eventually if I do all the things, it will change me as a person. So let's use the example of nighttime eating. The goal is I don't want to eat at night after dinner. The ring inside is how you're going to get there. Um, I'm going to brush my teeth after dinner. I'm going to grab a cup of hot tea after dinner. I'm going to learn how to crochet a scarf and keep my hands busy, right? You start thinking of all the things you're going to do so that you don't eat at night. And eventually the ultimate goal is to reach that identity change of now I am a person who doesn't eat after dinner. And it's really, really important to hone in on that identity piece because those habits that you associate with your identity are the ones you hold closest to the vest and the ones that are hardest to break. If you see yourself as a person who doesn't eat after dinner, then it doesn't matter what situation you're in because you don't eat after dinner. Uh, oh, there was an example of a smoker. They, get, they gave two examples. It's been a while since I read this book, but I hope I'm, I'm uh, remembering this correctly. So if you have one person um, that you offer a cigarette to and he says, no, thank you, I'm trying to quit smoking, and you offer a cigarette to another person who says, no, thank you, I'm a non-smoker, who do you think is going to have the better shot at being successful? It's going to be the person that says, no, thank you. I'm a non-smoker, right? The person that's trying to quit may or may not be successful. It might depend on the day of the week or it might depend his environment. If he's outside of a bar or if he's at a friend's house or if he's in a conference, that may change whether or not that guy grabs a cigarette or not. He's trying to quit, but it's not who he is yet. The guy who associates himself as a non-smoker, it doesn't matter when you offer him a cigarette, the answer is always going to be no, because that's not who he is as a person. And so in Atomic Habits, um, James Clear tells us, we go about habit formation all wrong. We always start with identifying the goal, then identifying the process, and hopefully it will change who you are as a person. But what he recommends is going the opposite direction. First, figure out who do you want to be. And once you figure out who you want to be, then you start to look at people that embody that identity. And you look to see what are their habits. And then you pick one and you start doing it. And eventually you work from the inside out. So for some of you that tell me they have the bad habit of eating after dinner or snacking after dinner, even though they're not physically hungry. What I want to know is if I'm going to work from the inside out is I'm going to ask you this question. Who do you want to be? For a lot of us, we say, I just want to, I just want to relax at night with a snack. Well, if you don't want to relax with a snack, then I'm going to ask you, how do you become a person who relaxes without food, 
right? If you can say that's your identity, I'm the type of person who just relaxes and I don't need food to do that. That's a very different statement than I'm going to try not to eat at night. One of them is I got a 50-50 shot at, at making this happen. And the other person is, is um, close to 100% sure they're not going to do it because I am the type of person who doesn't eat at night. It's part of my identity. It's part of who I am. And you're much more connected to the goal. So one of the things I've been working on, because I told you I struggle with this too sometimes, is I keep trying to figure out, you know, and, and practicing and practicing and practicing, you know, some of these statements and some of these thoughts in my heads where I don't want to be the person who has a bad day and then has to eat through it. I want to be the person who has a bad day and doesn't eat because of it. Because guess what? Some days are going to be bad. They don't all get to be good. You know, this week for me was a, a decent week, but there are some weeks where I'm stressed out. Whether it's work, whether it's home, whether it's just life. So if every time I get stressed out, it means I eat. Oh, goodness, that could be a lot of times. So I want to self-identify as a person who can have a bad day and not eat. So I want you to figure out who do you want to be? Again, a lot of us feel this entitlement that I deserve it. And I think I'm trying to really work at, I don't deserve any of this. Right? Just because I have a bad day doesn't mean I deserve food. Just because I have a great day doesn't mean I deserve food. It just means I had a good day. And that's something awesome. We can celebrate with other means. Like I can just be with my family or we can go do something outdoors, something that I really enjoy. There's so many ways that I can celebrate a good day that doesn't involve food. There's so many ways I can work through a bad day that doesn't involve food. But you've got to make that decision up front, not, well, if I, if I hope that I don't eat and I tell myself I'm not going to eat tonight and I try really hard, then maybe I'll become a person who doesn't eat at night. You have to declare that up front, who you are. Because again, the habits that you hold close to your identity are the ones that are going to be the hardest to break. So that's what I want you to figure out. Who do you want to be? Now, there are a couple ways to do this, right? First of all, when we're in that moment, probably the biggest thing that we can do is just take a deep breath, right? Your brain is going to try to remind you why you need to eat, especially if you've had the habit for a long time. So you're going to tell yourself, all right, tonight's the night. I'm not going to eat after dinner. And you're going to be sitting there in, on the sofa watching a show, and all of a sudden, your brain's going to be like, Psst, hey, hey, remember? Let's go get a snack. It's snack time. And you're going to be like, ugh, here we go. And right? And it's like the good, you know, the angel and the devil on your shoulder. Who's going to win? A lot of times we get really freaked out when that thought happens. You know, the Psst, hey, it's time to eat thought. Because we feel like we need to strong arm and you know, and really kind of bully our way through it and just be really tough and, and not give in and have some willpower, right? 
sometimes we just need to take a deep breath. If you've ever heard me talk about this before, this is not new information. I talk about the different parts of the brain. The front part of our brain is responsible for our goals and consequences, logic, forward thinking. The back part of our brain is responsible for um, habits, uh, and it always answers questions based on pain avoidance and immediate gratification. The problem is the back part of our brain always answers a question first. So if you pose you the question like, oh, I'm hungry, what do I want? The back part of your brain is going to come up with all the fun foods that are accessible right away. And your goals aren't even on the radar because the back part of your brain always answers first. I had a client one time who went through rehab and he told me the thing that they drilled in their heads more than anything during that stay is first thought wrong. First thought wrong. It's because the back of your head is in charge and it's making decisions based on habits. And if you don't have great habits, chances are you're not going to follow through with the goals you've set in place because the bad habits are first and foremost. They're at the front of the line. How you engage the front of your brain is by oxygenating it, which means take a breath. Don't be in such a rush to make a decision. First thought wrong. Take a breath, engage the front part, the prefrontal cortex, and allow it to have a voice in the conversation. I want a snack. Oh, let's get chocolate. Okay, (laughs) hold up. (laughs) I know you want chocolate, but what are our goals here? What have we been working at? What have we been trying to accomplish? Who do I want to be? Let's figure out what I actually need right now instead of what is the quickest, um, you know, what sounds the best answer. That's not even good English. Sorry about that. (laughs) Hopefully that made sense, right? Instead of what sounds the best in the moment, let's actually think about our goals. Most of us, we have no thought of our goals in a moment of cravings. Doesn't even enter into our head until after we've eaten it. And then we're like, oh, what did I just do? Why did I do that? I told myself I didn't want to eat at night and I just did. I completely forgot. It's just because we let the back of our heads or back of our brains make a decision without consulting the front of our brains. But when you do that breath, and it might take more than one, you oxygenate the front part of your brain and you start to engage the part of you that actually has goals. And then you can start to make more rational decisions. So before you just give in because it's 830 and it's a habit because it's what you've always done and your brain is trying to tell you that this is what you've always done, so keep doing it. Let's get the front part of our brain active in the conversation. It's better than just letting the back of the brain run wild. The next thing I want you to do is a body scan. All right, now think of a scanner. It starts in one direction and goes the full length of the scanner, I guess is what you would call it. We have a printer right at work and it scans. And you see that beam of light go all the way across the machine. That's what I want you to do in your body. I want you to start at your head and I want you to scan all the way down. And I want you to take note of what you're feeling in each area of your body. Start at your head. 
Do you feel tightness? Do you feel congestion? Do you feel pain? Do you feel throbbing? Go down to your eyes. Do you feel strain? Do you feel fatigue? Do you feel pain? Go down to your mouth. Do you feel dryness? Do you feel um, pain? Do you feel, um, I don't know. Maybe you don't feel anything there. That's okay too. Go down to your chest and your shoulders. Go down to your stomach. What do you feel there? Do you feel anything? Do you feel hunger? Or does it still feel full from dinner? Go down to your legs. Go down to your calves. Go down to your feet. Actually take each part of your body and dial in and figure out what are you feeling in each of these areas. I want you to get so good at recognizing how your body communicates things to you. And one of those things I want you to be really good at understanding is how your body communicates different emotions. Things like fatigue, things like anger, things like agitation, things like sadness. Your body has a physical response to different emotions. But for so many of us, any emotion that's uncomfortable, our goal is just to cover it up and not even fully recognize what we're feeling. Guys, if you want to solve the problem of eating at night, you've got to get to the root of the problem. Me telling you don't or why don't you try intermittent fasting? Then you won't eat after eight. It's a bunch of crap. It's not getting to the root of the problem. And this is why you struggle. And this is why you yo-yo diet and why you can't figure it out. So we're going to do that, right? I told you this story before. I'm going to tell it again because it honestly is one of the best illustrations I can think of. A couple years ago, probably like three years now, my daughter and I were walking down the driveway to go to the bus stop. It's literally a, I don't know, 15-second walk down the driveway and the couple steps to get to the end of the road. And we get to the end of the driveway and Bella, at the time she's seven, says to me, I'm bored. I'm like, what? Wait, wait. what do you mean you're bored? Honey, we didn't, we haven't even stood here for any length of time waiting for this bus. We literally just took the last step. And with the last step, she says, I'm bored. And all of a sudden I had this idea. I said, Bella, what does boredom feel like in your body? So. Interestingly enough, when you ask a seven-year-old, what does boredom feel like? She looks down at her body. You ask her a question, she looks to her body for the answer. And she looks at me and she's like, it feels tired. I said, huh, that's interesting. What else does boredom feel like? And she looks down at her body again and she says, it feels lazy. I said, Bella, that is very interesting. I said, I do not live in your body. And that may be exactly how boredom presents itself. But for me, boredom is a restlessness. Boredom is like ants in my body that want to crawl everywhere and they want to get out. Boredom for me is like I can't concentrate on a subject because my mind is wandering or I'm thinking about something else. Boredom to me is my legs want to move. Again, that restlessness feeling. I said, so although I think you're describing tired, (laughs) because those are the words I would use to describe tired, 
Um, I just, you know, you may be mislabeling. You're seven. And so the whole point of that activity was to teach her how different emotions feel in her body so she doesn't become a 40-year-old trying to eat her way through them. Doing the body scan allows you to stay present, stay mindful, and figure out what do I need right now. I'll give you an example. Uh, Recently, uh, I was working with a client. I'm so flipping proud of her. She did the work. Now, did she do the work perfectly all the time? No, we don't. None of us do the work perfectly all the time. But she took an amazing first step. And so this client is a, um, a professor, and she was teaching a night class. And she uh, was getting home late and was, you know, telling me that, you know, I get home late and I'm starving. And then I go into the kitchen and I eat a whole bunch of food. I don't want to be eating that late, but I'm so hungry. What do I do? And so we had a conversation about maybe what are some snacks she could pack for the drive home, you know, that were maybe more nutritious, um, but would fill her up so she wouldn't come home and open the fridge right away. And so, you know, she went, she's like, all right, perfect. Let's try it. So she did. She packed her snack, drove home and um, just from habit, first thing she did was walk into the kitchen and open up the fridge. And she's like, wait, hold up, wait a second. And she shut the refrigerator and she said, how am I feeling right now? What am I feeling right now? And so she did a scan and she realized that she was tired, cold, and stressed from her drive home late at night. None of it had to do with hunger. It was more of stress, tired, cold. So a great question she asked herself was, is what do I need right now to address that? And she came up with a a hot cup of tea and sat on the sofa, relaxed, got warm, and de-stressed from her day. And it kind of, you know, helped her you know, it didn't give her all this energy, but it relaxed her enough to be able to drink the tea and then go to bed because that was the other part. She was tired from the long day. And I was so, so proud of her because if you've ever been in a situation where you just eat at night and you're like, you eat a serving of something that should normally fill you up, but it doesn't. And then you go eat some more food and then go eat some more food. That's how you know hunger is not the problem. Or I should say food is not the solution because hunger is not the problem. If hunger was the problem, then the food would fix it. But the food isn't fixing it because hunger was never the problem. It was probably fatigue or agitation or loneliness or boredom or anger or all those other emotions. But I need to teach you how to identify them so you can actually come up with a coping strategy that meets it versus eating your way through it, hoping that along the way you'll figure it out. So I want to go back to that initial statement of saying, I deserve it. That one that you, you're subconsciously saying to yourself. And I want to challenge you to also think about what you deserve. Because there are so many things you deserve. And some of us, that agitation, that stress that we're experiencing at night 
is due to denying ourselves of things we deserve all day long. And I came across this article online and um, it was 20 things that you deserve. I pulled out some of the ones that I think uh, mean the most uh, to me in terms of nutrition. So I pulled out 13 of them. You know me. I'm never going to give you like, here's two things you can try. I'm going to give you 13 things to try. (laughs) But it was, the article was 20 things everyone deserves in life. Um, And like I said, I'm going to just pull out a couple of them. But uh, we're going to talk about them and how they, how they apply to nutrition. Number one, you deserve to prioritize your needs and put yourself first. A lot of people don't tell you that. They tell you to put everything else first. And then if there's any time left over, then go ahead and, and take that for yourself. I truly believe we need to be able to put ourselves first in some situations. And health is one of those. Because if you choose not to take care of your health, then you are choosing to let somebody else do that for you. You deserve to be able to take care of yourself, right? For a lot of us, you know, or I don't want to say this like in a negative way, but, you know, I see a lot of diseases in my practice that could have been managed better if somebody would take care of themselves. And what does taking care of yourself mean? It doesn't mean running a marathon and only eating fruits and vegetables. It means getting enough sleep at night. It means taking care of your mental health. It means moving your body. It does mean feeding your body well. That's what taking care of yourself does. They're not hard things. They just get lost in the shuffle because they're easy to get lost in the shuffle. But you deserve to put yourself first so you can take care of yourself. And then only then can you take care of others well. You guys know this about me. First thing in the morning, I read my Bible and I exercise faithfully. I do that first. I take care of my mental and my physical health so that I can take care of others the rest of the day. Some days I need more. <laughs> I need more mental and physical help. But I do. I've, I've made that part of my identity, who I am, because it's that important to me. Um, number two, you deserve to walk away from people or relationships that don't serve you. And I'm going to add, you deserve to walk away from behaviors that don't serve you. If your behaviors are creating habits and taking you away from who you want to be and what you want to accomplish, then you deserve to walk away from them. You don't have to stay stuck in them. They don't have to be your story or your identity. You get to make that up yourself. For some of us, we just think these are the cards we're dealt, and so this is the way it has to be. No. No. You get to choose. So I want you to think about what are the habits that aren't serving you, and who do you want to be instead? And then we'll work on that. We'll come up with, you know, a step-by-step plan to achieve that. But you deserve to walk away from behaviors that don't serve you. You also deserve to know what it's like to love and be loved. And that's including loving yourself. A lot of you don't talk kindly to yourself. A lot of you don't show care to your body. 
This is one of those things. Nobody can do this for you, right? Loving yourself, you know, giving yourself positive feedback and positive affirmations. You know, for a lot of us, we're waiting for other people to do that for us. But if they're not there, then we hear silence. And so part of my, you know, my journey is to teach you how to create that affirmation on your own. So you don't need to only hear it from other people. You can generate that from within. Yeah, I think we're scared to be prideful, but there's a difference here. Prideful in order to boast or prideful to be able to take care of ourselves. It's two different things. You have the remit, oh, you have the, the right to remain kind in a world that's cruel and toxic. One of the best ways you can be kind to yourself is to unfollow things on social media or unfollow emails or unfollow things that are not putting you in the right mental space. If they are putting you in a space of comparison and always feeling bad about what you have or discontent, then the kind thing to do is to remove that from your line of vision. You know, some of us think, well, I'm an adult. I should, I should be able to see those things and not affect me. Maybe. Or if you always feel crummy after you look at a s- Instagram or, you know, somebody's TikTok or any of those things, then that's a heads up that it's not serving you well mentally. And it's time to put that stuff away. I unfollow things. Uh, you know, I have good intentions in the beginning. Oh, I'm going to get good ideas. But, you know, as I start to look at things more and more, I realize like I'm starting to become more self-conscious about my body or about how I parent. And if I start comparing and feeling like a failure all the time, that has got to go. I cannot, I don't have time to be putting myself down. I have other things I want to accomplish and other people I want to build up. I just, I won't do it. And you don't deserve that either. Uh, You have the right to remain resilient despite your vulnerabilities. Listen, we've all got them. And I think we're getting into a better place where we're, you know, able to ask for help and share where we're vulnerable instead of pretending we have it all together. But I think we still can do better. And we still try. Right? I tell you all the time, I don't have this worked out. I'm learning just like you. I'll give my patients and my clients challenges and I'll do them too, right there with them. And my clients are my biggest source of inspiration for me. They work so hard and I want to work just as hard for them. And we share in our vulnerabilities, right? What does it say? We lead with our strengths, but we connect with our, our vulnerabilities or our shortcomings right? That's what happens. And connection is such a big piece that that we need right now. Uh, All right. Number six, you deserve a relationship built on communication, honesty, and trust. And what I'm going to say about that is let's talk about your self-talk. Let's talk about how honest you are with yourself and being able to trust yourself. You know, for a lot of us, we don't have a lot of trust in our and the confidence in ourselves because we bail as soon as things get hard. And our brain knows that. As soon as things get hard, she's not ever going to do this. She talks a big game, but she's never going to follow through. And that ruins our self-confidence. 
So if you're going to make a goal or you're going to work on something, you know, start small, gain that confidence and work from there. Don't create these grandiose goals. And then the minute, you know, a better, you know, plan comes along, you ditch it right away. No wonder we yo-yo diet all the time. We have no trust in ourselves to actually follow through. And so I can help you with those things. All right. I can help you figure out how to communicate with yourself kindly. I can help you figure out how to gain trust with yourself. Trust and confidence. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest things that people come to me with. I want to feel more confident both in my body, in my decisions with food. I don't want to always be second guessing or always be, you know, putting myself down. Imagine what you're, what you would, how you would respond in different situations, what different situations would look like if you had more self-confidence. I know I'm working on that. Uh, you deserve to express your needs without fear of judgment. Huh. Oh my goodness. This is a big one. And what I'm talking about is judging yourself. It's so interesting. I, I had a client the other week and I was asking her questions and she kept revising her sentence. I'm like, just, just be honest. Don't filter. Just say what's going on in your head right now. You are judging yourself so much harder than I am judging you. Because guess what? I'm not judging you at all. I'm just asking you questions just truly based out of curiosity to get to know what are some of the thoughts in your head. You are judging yourself so much more than I am right now. And so part of my, my journey too is to teach people how to talk to themselves with curiosity and assessment versus judgment. Judgment is putting yourself down Judgment is telling yourself you're an idiot because you made that decision. You're a loser. You're never going to get this right. It feels very shaming and it feels very condemning. That's how you know it's judgment. And you deserve to express your needs and your desires without judgment. And that goes for you first and foremost because you're in your head 24 hours a day. There's a lot of thoughts going in and out of your head. If it feels completely shaming to live in your head all day long, it is time to come up with some new thoughts. Number eight, you deserve to have days where you admit to yourself you're not feeling okay. You don't have to have it together all the time. And anybody that tells you they follow the perfect diet all the time is lying to you. I promise you they are lying. They don't do that. I don't do that. Why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about when we're not having a great day and asking for help how to sit through it without responding? It's okay for us to have bad days. We don't have to have it together all the time. Number nine, you deserve the opportunity to correct mistakes when you do something wrong. You know, that's one of the things I try to do a lot. I try to reflect and I try to assess my day in different areas, and then ask myself, what do I want to do better? <laughs> Where do I need forgiveness? Where do I need to apologize? What can I do better? I mean, gosh, right now I feel like parenting is really hard. <laughs> I feel like parenting is really hard right now. 
I'm struggling with the computers. I don't know if anybody else is, but my school lets um, the computers come home just in case they need virtual days or snow days or any of that stuff. And, you know, I feel like I'm just constantly at war with my kids over computers and screen time. Um, I don't know. For those that know me, we don't usually give our kids phones or screens until they're 15. So when the school gives my kids screens at age 10 and 12, it turns into a battle. I don't want, I'm so tired at night. I don't feel like fighting with them about it. And a lot of arguments get elevated and, you know, the kids are frustrated. I'm frustrated and make a lot of mistakes. I have to ask for forgiveness. I have to try different ways to, to communicate and to parent. Um, we're going to make mistakes. You're not going to do this perfectly. The faster you come to that realization that there's going to be days where you don't have it all together, but that doesn't mean you need to quit or it doesn't mean that you have to start all over, the easier this whole process is going to be. You have got to ditch that all or nothing mentality. And it's sneaky in ways that it presents itself, but it's probably the number one thing that keeps people in the diet cycle. All right, number 10, you deserve to be supported by a group of individuals who want to see you flourish and succeed. You deserve that. I mean, I'll be honest, I have a lot of women listeners. I have some men listeners too, but I have a lot of women listeners. And women are fierce and competitive and cutthroat. And we all say we're going to rally behind each other, but secretly, you know, we're jealous. And so sometimes it feels like we're doing this, this thing all on our own, all on an island. And we don't have the support of the people that we expect to have our back. Sometimes that's family members. Sometimes that's spouses. Sometimes that's friends. So I just want to tell you right now. If you don't have a support network when it comes to your health goals, please let me be your support network. Please let me be your cheerleader. You don't even have to hire me. You just have to reach out and say, hey, I need somebody cheering me on. Can you be that person for me? And I will be first in line. I will check in on you. I will ask you the questions. I will celebrate with you. I will dance. And I'm a terrible dancer. I will give you high fives. I will give you air hugs. I will do all the things. I will celebrate every, every win with you. It is important that you have somebody to celebrate the wins with. Go find those people. And if you can't find them, then you call me and I will be that person for you. Number 11, you deserve the opportunity to obtain the goals you set out for yourself. If you need help with this, I'll help you with this too. You deserve to be able to reach your goals. Everybody does. Now, not all of us set realistic goals right right away or ever. And so sometimes we need somebody to bounce ideas off of and just make sure that our goals make sense. But you can have those big goals too. It's okay to dream big. Yeah, I'm learning as I go through things in my own life and realistic goals versus big goals. Like we got to have those big crazy goals too. There's room for both. 
but dream big. Um, number 12, you deserve to have faith in situations when all hope seems lost. Hopeless versus hopeful. I think that's one of my specialties. And I'm not just talking, I'm not trying to make this all about me, but this is one of the things that I'm actually quite good at and looking for situations and problem solving and coming up with solutions and ideas and, and new ideas when the old ideas are exhausted. I'll be honest with you. A lot of, sometimes when I'm in my office, I don't say a lot of times, I wish it was more times, but a lot of times I'm praying right when I'm meeting with people. God, what does this person need right now? How can I help them? How can I, how, if it's not, how can I point them to Jesus? You know, how can I meet them right now and just support them so that they feel cared for? So even though I feel like I do a decent job at supporting others, it's not from my own doing. It's because I'm asking for help too. I'm using my faith to, to best support people. Um, and number 13, last one, if you've stuck with me this long. Uh, you deserve to appreciate the beauty of others without diminishing your own. And I think that goes back to our, our comparison, right? You know, we're so easy to pick out our flaws and, and celebrate other people and idolize other people. Um, but then it's easy to put ourselves down. And you deserve better than that. We are all on our own journey. Like God created us all differently and we all have our own path and purpose. And it may seem like somebody's path and purpose looks easier or, you know, feels less stressful or, you know, just we, we covet that, we're jealous of it. And we have to remind ourselves that we can appreciate other things without having to put ourselves down in the process and that we have a purpose too. And we don't know everybody's story. A lot of times I can tell you from my line of work, what looks perfect on the outside is not perfect on the inside. But we all deserve to be compassionate to each other and we all deserve kindness. And so when you're telling yourself at night, I deserve food, I want you to think about what else do you deserve? And you can use some of the thoughts here in this podcast to help you. All right, guys, that was a long one. I didn't think it was going to be that long, but it ended up being a little longer. Uh, your recipe today is a brown rice salad with asparagus, goat cheese, and lemon. Uh, I actually made this uh, a couple nights ago, but I used some leftover farro, and it was absolutely delicious. So this recipe actually works well if you have leftover grain. You can use barley. You can use rice. Um, like I said, I used farro, and it was delicious. So for this recipe, you're going to need one and a half cups of the long grain rice or the farro, <laughs> a little bit of salt and pepper, a teaspoon of grated lemon zest plus three tablespoons of juice, three and a half tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil, one pound of asparagus trimmed and cut into one inch lengths, one shallot minced. I didn't mince mine though. I just chopped it. A uh, half a cup of goat cheese crumbled, a quarter cup of slivered almonds, and a quarter cup of fresh parsley chopped. Uh, again, if you are using leftover rice or farro, just go ahead and pull that out of the fridge. Otherwise, cook um, as does, um, indicated on the box or in the bag. 
Uh, sometimes that's about 25, 30 minutes. Drain the rice, spread it on a rimmed baking sheet, drizzle with uh, one tablespoon of lemon juice, and let it cool completely. Next, you're going to heat a tablespoon of oil in a skillet over high heat. You're going to add the asparagus, a quarter teaspoon of salt, and a quarter teaspoon of pepper, and cook until the asparagus is browned and tender, so about four minutes, and then go ahead and transfer that to a plate and let it cool. Uh, alternatively, you can just throw the asparagus in the oven and roast it. Next, you're going to whisk the remaining two and a half tablespoons of oil, the lemon zest, and the remaining two tablespoons of juice. You're going to add your shallot, a half a teaspoon of salt, and a half a teaspoon of pepper, and you're going to mix all that in a bowl. Uh, so you're basically ma making a vinaigrette. Uh, you're going to add your rice and asparagus, a quarter cup of the goat, goat cheese, three tablespoons of the almonds, and three tablespoons of the parsley, and gently toss to combine and let sit for 10 minutes. You really want to let all those flavors marry together. And then you can season with salt and pepper. I think you've got plenty in there at this point, so I don't think you need to add more. I'll go ahead and transfer that to a platter and sprinkle with the remaining quarter cup of goat cheese and remaining tablespoon of almonds and remaining tablespoon of parsley. Or if you want to make it really easy, just dump the vinaigrette on top of the rice and asparagus and throw in all the goat cheese and the almonds and the parsley. Um, just depends on if you're looking for presentation or if you need to get the job done. You can guess which way I go. <laughs> All right, guys, that is your episode for the week. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. If you need anything at all, please do not reach out. Uh, do not hesitate to reach out. I'm here to help however I can be helpful. And again, I'm just so thankful for all of you for showing up and supporting uh, this podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.